In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today, dear faithful, we celebrate the, the, the third Sunday of Advent, excuse me, known as Gaudete Sunday, from the first words of the introit, Gaudete, rejoice. But, by a happy coincidence, we also celebrate today the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. 490 years ago, the Virgin Mother of God appeared to Juan Diego, a recent convert to the true faith, and asked him to go to the bishop and tell him to build a church where she said she would show and offer all my love, my compassion, my help, and my protection to my people. Of course, we all know the story of what happened next, how Juan Diego was first turned away, and then of how the bishop asked for a sign, and then how Juan Diego tried to avoid the Payac Hill where the Virgin had appeared to him because he was rushing to find a priest for his sick uncle. But one cannot run from the Mother of God any better than from God himself. And the Virgin, appearing to Juan Diego at the bottom of the hill, comforted him with these words, Am I not here who am your mother? Are you not under the shadow of under my shadow and my protection? Am I not the fountain of your joy? Are you not in the fold of my mantle, in the cradle of my arms? Do not grieve, nor be disturbed by anything. Do not be afflicted by the illness of your uncle, who will not die. Now, be assured of it that he is now cured. Reassured by these words, Juan Diego gathered the Castilian roses that the Virgin showed to him growing on the hill and took them to the bishop, revealing the miraculous image of her impressed on his tilma when he let it fall open. That image is a concrete sign of the trust that we should have in the Virgin Mary, who is our mother. Am I not the fountain of your joy? Mary asked Juan Diego. In the litany of Loretto, we call her Causa Letizia, cause of our joy. What is this joy that Mary is the fountain of? Joy is one of the central themes of the liturgy of this Sunday. In the introit, the first word is Gaudete, rejoice. This passage is taken from St. Paul's epistle. Rejoice in the Lord always, he writes. Again I say rejoice. What then, uh, excuse me, this text is uh, the epistle of today. Through her holy liturgy, which we should seek to appreciate and profit from more from each uh, and every week, Holy Mother Church is encouraging us to rejoice in the Lord. What then is this joy that we are counseled, or rather commanded, by St. Paul to have? St. Thomas Aquinas, our great and holy patron, and our guide in these questions, teaches us that joy, gaudium in Latin, is a type of delight or pleasure, which is one of the alleged loving passions of the soul. The passions are those powers of the soul that are movements of the sensitive appetite towards the attainment of some real or apparent good or the avoidance of some evil. The more intensely the object is desired or abhorred, the more vehement and strong is the passion. The passions are so called because they cause a transformation of the normal condition or guise of the body which often uh, appears then externally. An example is that of anger, by which an outward appearance is modified when under the influence of this passion. The passions are eleven in number, love and hate, desire and aversion, pleasure or joy, and pain and sadness, hope and fear, despair, fear and daring, and anger. They all arise in reference to a good or an evil. Love is the inclination towards a present good, hate the inclination away from a present evil. Desire is the inclination towards a possible future good, aversion, the movement away from a possible future evil. Pleasure is the passion that arises from the possession of a good, 
pain from the possession of an evil. The other passions are too in reference to a good or evil perceived by our appetites. Pleasure then, or delight as it is sometimes translated in English, can be said to be a passion of the sensitive order in coming from the awareness of possessing what is suitable or pleasing. When we bite into that delicious cheeseburger, we experience pleasure because there's a suitability or fittingness that it has with us because it satisfies our hunger, nourishes our body, and delights our taste buds. Joy, then, is a kind or type of pleasure or delight. It has a more spiritual and immaterial aspect to it, though, and as St. Gregory of Nyssa says, some delights are of the body, some delights are of the soul. And St. Thomas explains that we take delight both in those things that which we desire naturally when we get them and those things which we desire as a result of reason. But we do not speak of joy except when delight follows reason. So we do not ascribe joy to irrational animals, but only delight. This is very important for us to remember. And the passion of joy, rather than the fruit of joy, is only possible to man and not to animals because it comes from those things that we desire as a result of reason. Even on this natural level, not even talking about the supernatural joy, which is caused by charity, and it is what St. Paul talks about in today's epistle, even on this natural level, our reason must be involved for there to be joy. If joy then is a passion, like all passions, it is morally indifferent and rendered good or bad according to its object and its measure. In other terms, its moral goodness is dependent upon what it is about and how much it is. For instance, regarding the object, it is reasonable and good to express joy at the birth of a child, yet unreasonable to express it at the misfortune of another, even in something such as laughing at an uncharitable joke at another's expense. The first object is good, the second is bad. Regarding the measure, it would be unreasonable, for example, to express more joy at one's sports team winning the championship than at the birth of one's own child, for it would betray a misplaced and inordinate affection for a good not worthy of it. But what then is the joy that St. Paul is talking about? It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit and effect of charity, as St. Paul informs us in chapter 5 of his epistle to the Galatians. It is in the supernatural order of grace, just as the joy I mentioned above is of the natural order. And as in the natural order joy is the product of love, either, says St. Thomas, through the presence of the thing loved, or because the proper good of the thing loved exists and endures in it, so too in the supernatural order love, that is to say charity, is the cause of joy. Now charity is the love of God, explains the angelic doctor, whose good is unchangeable since he is his goodness. And from the very fact that he is loved, he is in those who love him by his most excellent effect, according to 1 John 4.16, he that abideth in charity abideth in God and God in him. Therefore, he concludes, spiritual joy which is about God is caused by charity. Dear faithful, our joy must be supernatural. And from the very fact that we abide in God and he in us, this will cause joy in our souls. We must be very careful here not to think of supernatural joy as a sensible passion which spontaneously floods our sensibility with that good feeling that is in fact the passion of delight. Rather, rather we must realize that in joy there is a participation of the mind. 
The knowledge of God's grace in our soul is what causes us joy. We know we are united to God by holy charity. We are friends of God. Therefore, we are filled with holy joy, and following St. Paul's instruction, we rejoice in the Lord always, for we are on the path to true and eternal happiness. The spiritual joy of charity, as St. Thomas tells us, is incompatible with sorrow considered in itself, because by it we consider the divine good, God himself, in whom no admixture of evil is possible. Dear faithful, as we look around this world, we see evil everywhere. Evil in the church and in her members, evil in society and our fellow men, evil in ourselves because of our own sinfulness, and this renders us sorrowful. And it should, because, as St. Thomas adds again, when we consider the divine good as participated in ourselves and others, and see those things that hinder us from doing so, that is to say sin, which is the, we experience the opposite of joy, that is to say sadness. Yet we should not let the sadness dominate or take over. We should banish all excessive melancholy, even if there are good reasons to be sad, because excess renders a good thing bad. We should instead focus our soul's eye upon the object of our joy, Almighty God, especially in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did King Herod, despite all his evil plans, prevent God's will from being done? No. The holy magi and the shepherds were focused on finding the Messiah, their Savior, and all his machinations, that is to say, King Herod's, did not prevent them from achieving their goal. Let us, too, keep our eyes in the crib, realizing that if we possess our good Jesus in our heart through grace, our joy will be complete and no man will take it from us. Let us flee then to our blessed mother, the Virgin of Guadalupe, and ask her to fill us with that joy of which she is the fountain. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.